Now, work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. And we talked about two actions of the Holy Spirit last week. The Holy Spirit throughout the Bible empowers, giving life, giving power for service. Anybody need an outline? Anybody need an outline? Oh, way in the back over here, a couple people just came in. Keep your hand in the air for an outline if you need one. Way over here on the edge. Okay. The Holy Spirit empowers. He gives life. He gives power for service. We looked at verses last week um, talking about those things. And then the Holy Spirit purifies and uh, brings growth in holiness in us, convicts the world of sin, convicts us of sin as well. Those were the first two points we talked about. Now we go to the Holy Spirit reveals. And uh, the heart of this point in the outline is going to be talking about this whole question of guidance and how the Holy Spirit guides us. And I just thought <laughs> it was so interesting that during the sermon in the last hour, uh, Pastor Jamie is talking about uh, being led by the Holy Spirit and being guided by the Holy Spirit. So it just fit in. What a great, uh, great message that was on grace. So let's look at the Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals. Uh, first, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit revealed things to prophets and apostles. Second uh, Peter 1.21, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter's looking back at those Old Testament books and saying, this isn't just mere human ideas. This is people being carried along or guided or directed by the Holy Spirit. So the words that they wrote are the words that the Holy Spirit wanted. That's, that's the revelation through the Holy Spirit. We've got it right here written down for us to read every day. And uh, Jesus can affirm that. How is it that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, and then he gives a quotation, so he's saying that David was under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of com truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. This is a pro promise to Jesus' disciples, that uh, they would be able to um, uh, understand the truth and then write it and record it in the Bible. He, uh, and then the Holy Spirit, well, that, that's one thing. We could talk about that. We did the Doctrine of Scripture several months ago, and so that's just a reminder. Then also we have the fact that the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence. And here's something that happened a number of times in the Old Testament. Uh, um, when the Holy Spirit came and touched people or worked in their lives, the people could see that something was happening. So uh, Numbers 11, 25 to 26, the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that was on him <clears throat> and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. This is interesting. All of a sudden, it's evident that Moses isn't the only one who can be a prophet. But these others have the Holy Spirit put on them, and they are able to prophesy. And people saw it. It was evident. And then Judges 15, 14. Samson, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found the fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it, and with it struck a thousand men. Now, no matter how strong Samson was in the flesh, this wasn't anything that he could do in his own power. This was an empowering by the Holy Spirit uh, to enable him to delete, defeat the enemies, the Philistines. Um, or Saul, uh, the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul, and he prophesied among them. 
And then we look over in the New Testament, and we see evidence that the Holy Spirit is coming on Jesus in fullness at Jesus' baptism, John 1.32. John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Or in uh, Acts, there was evidence of the Holy Spirit's coming on the disciples at Pentecost in power. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. So there was a sound. They could hear this. And then uh, it, it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Again, I think that fire was a symbol of purification, purification of their speech, but probably purification of their lives as the Holy Spirit came to do his purifying work. Fire purifies. And then Jesus said about all believers, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What? What? Out of my heart? Rivers of living water flowing? Whoever believes in me? Rivers of living water will flow out of his heart? But then John explains it. Now this, he said, about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so, uh, if in fact the Holy Spirit within us is like a river of water flowing out from us, I think that's an image, well, it's an image of bringing blessing to others, surely, and the refreshing blessing of water. But I think also it's an indication that it should be some there should be some ability to perceive this. We should be able to perceive a river flowing out from us, my goodness. And uh, there are times when um, Jesus perceived that power had gone forth from him uh, to heal. There was a sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit was doing, and I, I think that's an indication that there will be times when we can have a, a sense, a perception, an awareness that the Holy Spirit is doing something, is flowing out of us and ministering to people. Um, <clears throat> now, this is all under this C2 on your outline. He gives evidence of God's presence. He gives evidence of God's presence. Um, I'm, I'm saying that in contrast to people who say the Holy Spirit never calls attention to himself or his work. Have you heard that? The Holy Spirit's role is to glorify Jesus. He never calls attention to himself or his work. And I say, well, wait a minute. Look at this. Looks like you could see when the 70 elders prophesied. Looks like you could see when the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson and he defeated a thousand Philistines. Looks like you could see that these others uh, prophet. Uh, that you could see that the Spirit of God rushed on Saul and he prophesied. You could see that the Spirit was descending like a dove on Jesus. You could hear the mighty rushing wind. You could see the tongues of fire. And I think we can perceive something like a river of living water flowing out from us. So I just don't think, I think it is true to say the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. That is definitely true. But to say the Holy Spirit never calls attention to himself or never lets his work be made known, I don't think that's true. In fact, here's another evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. The result of, the, of his work is the Bible. And there we can see it. So, uh, so I think we need to refine that idea and say, well, the Holy Spirit does sometimes show he, that he is at work. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8.16 that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Or Galatians 4.6, a similar idea. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Similar idea in 2 Corinthians 1.22. He who has put also he who has also put his seal on us and given us his Spirit in our hearts is a guarantee. I think the idea is 
that when the Holy Spirit is within us, when we've been born again, there should be some subjective sense that our heart has been changed and that God himself is living within us. Uh, God the Holy Spirit is within us. And uh, that's something that from time to time we should be able to sense or perceive. I think perhaps uh, in perhaps in my own life, it, the, that sense of the Holy Spirit's presence is stronger at times in the morning when I read my Bible and I, and I just uh, have time quietly and pray. And that sense of uh, peace and joy and the presence of the Holy Spirit increases at those times. Again and again, I notice that. <clears throat> and then at other times during the day, uh, there is from time to time an awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence. And it's, um, it's a little bit difficult to, to, to explain what that feels like. You can use words like peace and joy or a fullness or a sense of, of presence. Um, two weeks ago, we had the installation service for Pastor Jamie. <clears throat> and um, Margaret and I both said to each other, I think I said here in the class, we had such a strong sense of the Holy Spirit's presence and blessing in that service, in the music, in the passing the sword from one pastor to another, in the words that Jamie said, in the prayers. There was just, I don't know, a, a, a tingly kind of joy inside of me. I don't know quite how to say it. Do you know what I, do you, does that ring a bell with any of you? Um, and I, uh, I, tend to describe that not in merely human psychological terms like, oh, that was exciting or that was wonderful, which the world could say too, but that that was, I think, evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence bringing blessing. And it seemed to me kind of a, a foretaste of things to come. Now, I can't be sure about that, but that's what, can I use the word felt? Is that an academic word? It seemed that's what it felt like to me, or seemed like to me. And can I be absolutely sure? No. But it's my reading on what I was perceiving in my spirit after learning by trial and error how to perceive things in my spirit for, how long have I been a Christian? I don't know, over 50 years, I guess. Okay? Sometimes I'm wrong on that, but a lot of times I find I'm not. That when I sense the Holy Spirit working and active in something, that I see later there's fruit that comes from it. And, it. and it was right. You want to talk about that at all? About sensing the Holy Spirit bearing witness in us that we're children of God, crying, Abba, Father, in a way that we sense that there's the Holy Spirit within us. We're not just all on our own, in the, as Jamie said last hour, in the flesh, but in the Spirit doing things. Sandy? Testing. Of the Holy Spirit giving evidence of God's presence um, and to be alliterative perhaps also of God's passion for us. Uh, a verse that is very precious to me is Romans 5, 5. Uh, it's also easy to remember. But it says, New, uh, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts okay. by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Good. And, um, I mean, 
that is just very precious to me, that part of the work of the Holy Spirit of God is to pour out into our hearts the reality of God's love for us. And I'm not a Greek scholar, and you can tell me, but in some way is there almost a reciprocal stirring up then of the Holy Spirit uh, in our hearts of our love for God? Yeah. Well, I, I, what I think of when you say that, Sandy, is you hear time and again of people saying, you know, I love ministering to these people that are hard to minister to, whether it's alcoholics or yeah, whatever, um, homeless people or something. And then they say, God has given me such a love for these people that I wouldn't have loved before. And I can't understand it, but it's there in my heart. And I'd say that's an evidence of Romans 5.5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Or in a family where there's animosity and hatred and anger, and then all of a sudden somebody becomes a believer, and that and her, his or her attitude toward the rest of the family is transformed, and people say, oh, wow, there's a change here. Well, that's God's love being poured into our hearts. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. I think that's real good evidence. Yeah. Okay, what else? Anybody else want to talk about this a little bit of of uh, sensing the, the work of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes it happens when we're praying that, um, that a sort of unusual peace or, again, sometimes I, it's happened when I've, maybe we've been in a small group and, or maybe in an elder meeting and laid hands on someone to pray for the person and I'll get this kind of tingling in my hand like, I'm not sure what's going on, but it's just like a, a sense of the presence of God. And other pe- that doesn't happen to other people. For other people, it would be kind of a warmth or something. John? John, welcome back from Wheaton. How's freshman year? Okay, good. Is there anything that we can do besides just um, praying and listening to our own uh, hearts when I've come across people that, you know, seem to put too much on the Holy Spirit and just say, like, immediately they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're doing things um, uh, like just dancing or speaking in tongues and and stuff. Is there anything that, because I struggle with finding legitimacy in some people because you look at them and you're like, oh, I I know what you're doing. Like, is there any way to know whether it's an actual experience, real, fake, yeah, a couple things, because there are, whether you see it on TV or you go visit a different church or something, there are people who claim, oh, this is the Holy Spirit, and then some of the things you mentioned or um, maybe some other activities. I, I would say a couple things. Number one, the Scripture is our guide, absolutely. And if there's anything done that's contrary to Scripture, then it's not from the Holy Spirit. But number two, there are, there are a lot of things where a Bible verse doesn't decide it. And um, if you are, I don't mean you individually, John, but I mean you individually and everybody else by application. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're reading your Bible regularly, you're spending time in prayer, you're walking in obedience, I would put a lot of weight on what you sense in your heart about whether it's from the Holy Spirit or not. Um, I speak at all sorts of different churches, or I have in the past. And I, I once I was invited to give a, a Wednesday evening talk at a Pentecostal church, and I went there. And 
a lady stood up and she was speaking in tongues. It just didn't feel right to me at all. And I've been in other places where people have spoken in tongues and it didn't bother me. It seemed like there was something of the Holy Spirit going. But this one is a lady right down. It's not you, Sandy, but but some, <laughs> but kind of in this. And she stood up and it was just. It felt to me like what you would call in the flesh. That is, in the strength of her own personality, and this is what she'd done in the past, so she was determined she was going to do it again. And I I couldn't give you a reason for that. Maybe I was just taking in tone of voice, facial expression, body language, and maybe just my spirit was perceiving, or maybe the Holy Spirit in me was bearing a negative kind of witness that this wasn't from the Lord. I had another situation once where um, I was, uh, uh, over a summer, was... Uh, uh, interim pastor in a church. And after uh, one Sunday service, as we often do here at Scottsdale Bible, uh, somebody asked for prayer. It was a woman with a back problem. And so two of her woman friends and I were standing praying for her. And an older man in the church walked up, and he kind of barged in a little bit, and he began to pray pretty loudly. And I didn't feel right about it at all. I just thought, this is, this is not from the Lord. This is disruptive. It's, and so I just took him by the elbow, and I said, come on, we'll just let them pray. And I kind of walked him away. Well, then 10 minutes later, as I was going out of the church, he met me back in the hallway. He was mad. He said, the Spirit of God told me to pray for that woman. And what did I say? He said, the Spirit of God didn't tell me that you're supposed to pray for that woman. So, and, I, and I, I think if you're in a home fellowship group or you're in some other kind of setting and you have a leadership responsibility, that the Lord will often equip you with the right sense on that. It's just like calling balls and strikes in a baseball game. You're the umpire. You call them as you see them. And I just called that one as I saw it, and I think it was right. Does that help? Um, and, you know, I said, that's a strike. And he said, no, it's a ball. And I said, sorry, you're out of here. <laughs> so, uh, but all that is by way of saying, I think it's healthy for us as believers to feel free to talk to each other and say, it seems to me the Holy Spirit was really working in, you know, when, when John prayed that prayer during our small group. And I, I felt something really happen. And just to verbalize that and then... And then somebody else is going to say, you know, I felt the same thing. That's an encouragement to us. And it helps us do this trial and error of, well, we're just not afraid to talk about that. It helps us learn by trial and error when we're right in those perceptions. Okay? So, Ev? Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> No, it's not, still not on. <clears throat> if Jim likes you, he gives you a mic that's on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's a bogus mic. <laughs> it's dying. Okay, we need to replace. It may be, a, I, probably the batteries are running out. Bob is coming to the rescue. Here we go. And I'll bet okay. Daryl will change the battery on that one. Okay. 
Okay, now? Yep. Okay. Good. Um, I really love Galatians 4 6. Um, I know just for myself, if I sit and ponder on that for a few minutes, it it just really changes the, the uh, quality of, of your prayer life. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the intimacy you have mm -hmm. with God, calling him your father. Yeah. And then also changes, if you think about it, the, the, the way you perceive all your brothers and sisters, your fellow believers. I yeah. mean, whether you personally know other fellow believers or not, we had that experience on Thanksgiving with, with people we met for the first time, mm -hmm. friends of friends we've never met before, but they're fellow believers, and you instantly recognize the Holy Spirit in them, and you have an instant rapport as if you've known them yep. forever. Yep. And uh, they're your brothers and sisters. You're going to spend eternity with them. Yep. And then thirdly... And, and you... You feel a closeness that you do. is more than would be justified by just your few minutes together. It, it's just an instant mm -hmm. rapport, and you mm -hmm. can have a mm -hmm. quality in your relationship that yep. is uh, so unlike other friendships yep. that are so superficial. Yep. Um, and then thirdly, I wanted to say that you can really rely on Galatians 4.6. It's outstanding when you are comparing and contrasting other uh, belief systems, yep. that's the crux of the difference yep. Yep. in, yep. in yep. the Christian faith right Good, there. Good, because uh, in Buddhism or Islam, you're, you're not going to have people relating to God as a loving father who cares that's for them it. and yeah. feeling comfortable with that. Good, Ev, thank you. Um, spiritual gifts also manifest or give outward evidence of God's presence. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Greek word phanerosis, it means something that's perceivable, something that's evident, something that can be known. And when someone is functioning in one spiritual gift or another, um, uh, there's, um, there's evidence. So the Holy Spirit, I think, frequently calls attention to his work and gives recognizable evidences that make his presence known. Uh, in the way we've talked about now. And one of the primary purposes in the New Covenant of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit is as at work, as I mentioned two Sundays ago in the service, and even actually today in the service too, I don't mean to downplay what's happening uh, just an hour ago, but um, but in a especially strong way, I think we should say, yes, this is, this is, we should take this as an indication that God's favor, his blessing, his activity are here, and be thankful for that. Three, and this is related to what we're talking about. Wait a minute, I had one more question in the back. I saw your hand a long time ago, and then we got up. What's your name? Geta. Yes, Geta. Um, I was just going to actually ask, one of the things that, since my mom has become a Christian. See, I didn't hear you. Um, my mom has all our lives always had a perception of when something is going on with her children uh -huh. and myself um, being one of them. But since she's become a Christian, it's become even more. She's always been a praying woman, as raised as a Catholic, but now it's kind of scary how she perceives things. And I was wondering, if, is that the manifestation then of the Holy Spirit? Just sure. because it's kind of something that she and I have between I, us. I would think so. Um, a sense when there's a need going on in your life, she calls, she asks, what's going on? I would say that's from the Holy Spirit. Sure. Yep. Okay. Daryl. Okay. Um, well, now, related to this is the fact that the Holy Spirit guides and directs God's people. Isaiah 30, verse 1, 
Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. This is people going on in their own strength and their own understanding, not, not praying, not seeking guidance from the Lord. They're making uh, plans, but not. Um, it wasn't from the Lord. I was just reading uh, this just a couple of days ago of the um, Israelites making this covenant with the Gibeonites who came to them disguised like they had old clothes on and worn out food and things like, or aged food. And uh, but it said they didn't ask the Lord. They didn't seek counsel of the Lord. And they made a wrong alliance that way. And there's a temptation for me. I get an email. Will you come speak at this thing? Oh, yes, thanks. And if I forget to ask, I forget to say, Lord, help me understand now. What should I do? I can make mistakes that way and have and do. And uh, I remember a few months ago, well, it was about a year ago now, I, um, I, got, I got up and I just I, I checked my email before I had any time in prayer. And it, somebody wanted me to answer something. I, okay, I can answer that really quickly. And I jotted off this memo and this guy, for this guy to post on a blog over in England. And, and so he said, oh, here's a blog from Wing Group. And guess what? I had two mistakes in it. I mean, just factual errors. And then all these other bloggers are saying, hey, he made a mistake, he made a mistake. And I thought, oh, no. That's embarrassing. And I had to write back in and say, please correct this. Sorry, I wasn't careful. And you don't want to do that when you're in the academic world. You want to have a, a reputation for being careful to check your facts. But what did I do? I went ahead without any time of prayer and, and just kind of, I think that was just, hey, this is in the flesh. This is easy. I've, I know this topic. I can do this. Watch out. That's a danger sign. Are you with me? And it, it just, just, just take that little time, Lord. Okay, Lord, is this right? Is this from you? And if I'm not sure, I just wait. I don't have to answer. I can wait an hour. I can wait a day and just see. Okay, uh, Jesus was led up by the Spirit. There's Jesus being led himself, Matthew 4.1, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then Acts 8.29 and 39-40, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. There's the Holy Spirit saying, there's somebody you should talk to, and he witnessed to this Ethiopian eunuch. Acts 15.28, it's very interesting to me that there was this long discussion in the Jerusalem church in Acts 15 about whether Gentiles had to be circumcised or not when they became believers. And before verse 28, it talks about when there had been much discussion. So they argued back and forth, they gave reasons, but they finally came to consensus. And then how do they summarize it when they write to these other churches their decision? They say, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. To lay on you no greater burden. And that reminds me of a faculty meeting, two faculty meetings we had where we had a policy to decide that would set the course for the future for something with regard to Phoenix Seminary. And there were different viewpoints on the faculty last spring. And we talked and talked and talked, and we didn't get it resolved. So we said, okay, no decision. Then we come back to the next meeting. We talk and talk and talk, and all of a sudden the decision becomes clear, and we had unity on it. And we came out of that saying, thank you, Lord, for guiding us. I think we could have said something like this, too. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to make this decision. But it didn't come instantly, and it didn't come only by feelings. It came by a long process of arguing and discussing, not throwing things at each other, but arguing and discussing and giving reasons, politely but firmly, back and forth. And then, all of a sudden, a consensus starts to come clear. You can do that in a family discussion, too, can't you? 
well, we should do this, we should do this, and all of a sudden, then something resolves itself. And then you say, and then you have a sense, but see, there is a feeling component to it, a subjective component to it, a spiritual perception component to it, where you sense this is from the Lord. Okay? So I think the Holy Spirit does guide and direct God's people. In fact, Paul talks about this. Isn't this interesting? This lesson that I had already prepared, here's the same passage that Pastor Jamie just talked about in the last session about um, being guided by the Holy Spirit. But anyway, um, or it's in the same context. I think he talked about these verses, actually. It was right around here. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk is often the way that Paul talks about the whole Christian life. Through each day. Walk by the Spirit. I think that means just being aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And then Romans 8:14 saying the same thing, or very similar. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And this is a present passive verb. You could paraphrase it, all who are continually being led by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. All who are, it, it, it's, a, it's a, the present tense, present, present tense verb there has a sense of ongoing activity. So I think that the Bible is talking about a sensitivity to being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two mistakes that people can make in this area. One is to become so subjective and so feeling-oriented, they toss out another part of the body that God has given to us, and that is our brain, and our understanding, and our wisdom. And that's wrong. We're to read the Bible, apply it to life. Why did God put it here in words so we could read it, so we could understand it, so we could see how it applies to a situation? That's part of being guided by, that's part of how we know God's will. Another part is counsel from other people. Why does God give us friends? Why does God give us wives who say, no, Wayne, don't do that? <laughs> As a gift. So we shouldn't rule out that part of our existence either. But there is also a spiritual component to our walk with the Lord where he will touch our spirits and guide us and give us a sense that something is right or wrong. And I, I just, I think... So one mistake is to become so subjective that you forget about your brain, you forget about counsel from friends, you forget about everything else. That's wrong. The other mistake is to rule that out altogether and say, well, I know people who have been misled by these subjective things, and so it's all wrong. And then, then you're throwing away another part of the Christian life that God's given us, and that is our feelings, our emotions, and the, and the spirit within us, the non-physical part of us, to which the Holy Spirit bears witness. So I think we need a balance and a combination of both. And growing in the Christian life is growing in the ability to do these things wisely. To pray during faculty meeting. Lord, should I say something or be quiet? Rather than just speaking. Just, just, that, just that little tiny, Lord, do you want me to say anything here? Or should I just be at peace now? Be at peace, Wayne. I mean, it's just kind of that. I'm not hearing a voice. I'm just, I'm just having a sense of be at peace. I mean, are you, am I making sense? Is it, is it, it's making sense. I want to talk about this and say, this is real. This is ordinary Christian living. The more we try to do this, I think the better we get at it. 
Can you make mistakes? Yes. Have I made mistakes? Yes. But ruling that all together is for sure a huge mistake. It's removing the personal interaction with God that he has for us, moment by moment. Okay? And I don't want to make that mistake, nor do I want to make dumb mistakes and just do things that are sin or contrary to scripture or foolish or something like that. Do we need to seek and wait for more of the guiding work of the Holy Spirit in our ministries today, in our lives today? I think so. I think so. Often if we're stuck on something, the solution is just pray and wait. Sometimes just wait a few minutes quietly before the Lord. And, you know, I find this idea that we can seek the Holy Spirit's guidance to be a tremendous encouragement when you put it together with the end of Pastor Jamie's sermon, if you were in the first hour, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, that with the temptation also provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. It's, I, I'm just trying to think of a specific example. I, I, maybe you can help me here, but um, I've got my day planned out. And... And I, oh, I'll, I'll give you this example. And I'm supposed to meet with this student late in the afternoon, and it's going to work out, and there isn't another time that's convenient for him or for me. And then I get an email from a friend from out of town, and he's coming at the same time. <clears throat> Does that ever happen to you? So now, first thing to do is, Lord, I believe you have a good solution for this. Rather than panic, oh, no, I can't, this isn't going to work. Oh, everything's going to go wrong. Life is terrible. <laughs> it's a disaster. Do you, do you see what I mean? When unexpected events happen and you can't figure out the solution, the first step is to say, Lord, I believe you have a solution to this. I think you have a good solution to this. And that's a tremendous way to approach little problems or big problems that come up. Big problems might be you know, job change or a tragedy in the family or something that you don't, you don't expect. In any of those things, Lord, I believe you have a solution to this. Now help me know. And in that time, then we just, we use our brain, we use relationships, think now is there possibilities. We write back to the friend that's coming and saying, <clears throat> could you clarify, did you mean you're going to be at our house at 6.30 or your plane's coming in at 6.30? Oh, your plane's coming in at 6.30, then I can still meet that student. It all worked out. It wasn't any need for panic, but I didn't know that yet. But the idea of when a problem comes up, Lord, I think you have a solution. Please help me find it. I think that's wonderful. Are you, now, tell me. Give me feedback on this. Does this work? Are you? Yep, Beth? Go ahead. Say that again. This is important. That place of peace is so important mm -hmm. because the spiritual world has two sides mm -hmm. and the discontentment and the uneasiness can be, in my experience, Satan working. You know, if, if I felt peace during prayer time on my decision yep. and then something urgent came up, I have to really check. If I can find peace in, instead of urgency, I feel it's from the Holy Spirit. Yep. But if I can never find the peace in that urgency, Yep. Then it's from the other side. Yep. Okay. So that that's right here, Beth. That's exactly what I meant. But do you know what it feels like to be doing something in the strength of the flesh and how that's different from doing something under the guidance of the Holy Spirit? 
I think I normally sense the difference. Um, and, and yet, it's easy when I'm at home, by myself, reading my Bible, praying. Oh, that's easy. But when I'm giving a paper on why it's never right to lie before 300 other pastors and professors, then the, the tension level gets high, as it is a couple weeks ago. But you know what? I was thinking a couple weeks ago, there is a way of having this sense of heightened attention and alertness and the demand of the situation and feeling peace from the Holy Spirit at the same time within. And it's just almost like, okay, <laughs> yes, thank you, Lord, you're here. And then go on. It's just it's something like that in the middle of the challenge. Okay. Uh, give me more feedback on this, or talk to me. Is this, is this? Yeah, John. Go ahead. This is good. Don't you think the spirit brings inescapable, sovereign circumstances to answer some of those life situations? Very often. Very often <clears throat> when we don't have an answer, the answer is not to decide yet. And then, and then as you say, the Holy Spirit will guide another situation coming up that will answer it. A new factor, a new person, a new something that you didn't know about. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I, I often am reminded that as a small boy, my grandmother related the story to me that she was coming to America and with two of her friends from work. She was leaving Ireland and she uh, was a Christian and when she got to the ship they said her paperwork wasn't in order and so she told her two friends to go and it was the Titanic. And so Whoa. she always said don't worry when your paperwork doesn't come through. <laughs> <clears throat> oh my goodness. What a great illustration, John. She must have been so disappointed. She knew her two friends who died. Yeah. But then she looks back and says, Lord, you guided me in a way I didn't understand. <laughs> Good. Well, the level of tension is really high in me because. Where, where are we? Who's, who's talking? Is, my name is Joyce. Oh, yeah, Joyce, I know you. Um, the, when you said the level of tension, it's really high in me because I, I want to say it, but I don't want to say it, and I know if I don't say it, um, I'll feel bad. But when you were talking about the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and in the sermon the pastor was talking about temptation, um, this came to my mind sometimes... I'll be thinking something about a person, and it's unkind or something. Yeah. And immediately, I'll think, oh, oh no, that you sh that's that's a sin. Yeah. And then I think that's the Holy Spirit saying to me. And then I ask God to let the words of my mouth yeah. and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in His sight, because it's between me and God, and it's against yeah. Him. Yeah. And he created that person, yep. and we're all sinners. 
Good. Thank you, Joyce. I, I agree. Good. Let me go on here. Um, I think that the Holy Spirit often provides a godlike atmosphere when he manifests his presence. When he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Times of revival, when the Holy Spirit begins to work powerfully in people, there's a lot of weeping. There's a lot of just falling on the ground in, in uh, repentance because the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. And you know when that happens, it's often things, we just, we just went on our merry way, not really thinking that something was sin until we saw it in the light of God and what his character is and his holiness, and all of a sudden, pow, there's repentance. So that's one way the Holy Spirit can provide a God-like atmosphere. Uh, Romans 5.5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We talked about that. Sandy talked about that a little bit ago. Romans 14.17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness being right conduct. Peace will be an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit gives. And we've talked about that in several comments here. Joy will be an atmosphere the Holy Spirit gives when he's present. Oftentimes in worship, oftentimes in singing, there's such joy. It feels like you're going to burst because there's just such happiness in the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit giving evidence of his presence. So there are a lot of ways we can sense the Holy Spirit's presence. Are you following with me? I'm just, I'm just trying to talk about these different aspects of the Holy Spirit's presence. And then he gives us assurance. Romans 8:16. the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When those things happen, when we have that, from time to time, that awareness of the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit within us, um, it's, it's reassuring. It's saying, oh yeah, I'm, I am a child of God. The Holy Spirit is within me. Thank you, Lord. Um, and 1 John 3, we know this by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to skip over some of these uh, uh, verses as well. And then, let me see if I can reach some kind of sense of completion here. Yes, this will be a very good point to reach a sense of completion. He teaches and illumines, and so uh, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. That's to the disciples primarily. But then um, I think a broader promise, Luke 12, 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now it's to his disciples, but I think in times of crisis, when Christians will be brought before authorities or times of persecution, um, or perhaps maybe you have had an experience where you were wrongly accused and you had a lawsuit against you, you had to give a deposition. I think we could take comfort from this. The Holy Spirit will give you what you have. That means you should prepare, but then be at peace because the Holy Spirit will guide. And um, there was uh, this story of Agabus by the Holy Spirit foretelling a famine. That's another example of teaching something. Or 1 Timothy, Paul talks about the Spirit saying things about the last days. And um, 1 Corinthians 2.12, similarly. Here we go, Ephesians 1, 17, 17 to 19. Paul prays for all these believers. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit, or the spirit, it would be the same in Greek, it's just a context question, may give you a, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, however you translate it, it's going to be through the Holy Spirit, who then gives you a sense of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, what? So that the eyes of your hearts will be enlightened. You'll be able to notice things around you that are from God, that he's working in circumstances that you didn't see before. 
You may notice things in the Bible you hadn't seen before that are true about your Christian life, that you may know what is the hope to what he has called you and all of these things, uh, his, his glorious inheritance, the greatness of his power at work within us, that we may know that and know it not just intellectually, but by experiencing it in our, uh, in our lives. So I think this would be a good thing for us to pray for, to pray for the Holy Spirit to teach us as we study the word of God and to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us insight into situations, things. Um, and he teaches us in that way, too. So those are, those are teaching, teaching aspects of the Holy Spirit. Well, what happened was... Um, we talked. <laughs> Partly that's Margaret saying to me. Margaret says, Wayne, people like it when they get to interact on these things. And, and uh, so I'm not in any hurry. I'll be back. We'll, uh, prop, there's probably not a whole hour on this, on the Holy Spirit unifying and then giving stronger or weaker evidence of God's presence and blessing. But uh, first Sunday in January, we'll try to finish up this outline and then probably start on common grace. How is that? Okay? On the Holy Spirit, and, and just see if you can, during the next month, be aware of different situations in which you are thinking that you're sensing the Spirit's guidance, sensing the Spirit's blessing, sensing the Spirit's direction, perhaps as you pray, um, sensing the Holy Spirit giving evidence of His work. And uh, I think that's exciting. We're dismissed.